Coming up, we are piggybacking off Friday's podcast and discussing the most untouchable pitchers that are on the D-backs roster currently. Who are we not afraid to see moved? Who is untouchable? And who is a wait-and-see candidate on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast? You are Locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube. So please go hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. It is slowly growing and thriving, but we want to get it to the next level. So go hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube. But for today's podcast, first, let me start off by saying happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hopefully everyone enjoying the holidays. I know I put on a few pounds still in New Jersey. So Starting tomorrow, we should have Sully Baseball on the podcast, hopefully, and we'll be back to our high-quality, standard-definition YouTube videos. I know the connection is not strongest when I'm back home in Jersey, so I apologize for that. But hopefully, everyone is having a great Thanksgiving so far. I am stuffed. I've been eating good every day, so hopefully, you guys are too. If you go back and listen to Friday's podcast, I did a fun little topic where I just went through the D-backs position players and discussed who is untouchable and who is tradable who are we not afraid to get moved and so i want to piggyback off friday's episode and look at the pitchers now on this d-backs roster which of the d-backs pitchers are untouchable who do we not want to see go which of the d-backs pitchers are a wait and see candidate maybe we don't want to trade them this year but depending on how their season goes we'll be more open or less open to moving them next offseason or maybe midseason and then the last category would be who are we certain we are not afraid to see go? Who are we would maybe be happy with if the D-backs traded them away? So let's jump right into what we got going on here. And the first play I want to discuss, because I want to start off off the top hot, right? They say when we do a podcast, it should be reverse pyramid. Put your best stuff at the top, right? So let's start with some of the heavy hitters of this D-backs pitching staff. And I'm not going to start off with Zach Gallon, but I will start off with a Merrill Kelly. And for him, I think his trade status should be not this year. I'm not saying he's untouchable. I'm also not saying I'm willing to trade him right now. I wouldn't trade Merrill Kelly this year, but maybe next offseason it could be a conversation because Merrill Kelly is on a super team-friendly deal. And this is someone, Merrill Kelly, that has turned into a really good mid-rotation starter that can also eat a ton of innings. Merrill Kelly is a workhorse. So, 
For Merrill Kelly, someone that was basically a diamond in the rough that the D-backs discovered, I think there's some personal bias here as to why I don't think I want to see him moved, at least this season. Like, the D-backs signed this guy from overseas. The D-backs were in on him from a scouting perspective and saw something in Merrill Kelly that not a lot of other teams saw. They saw someone that could eat innings and had a solid fastball, had some good movement on his pitches, and they really turned him to an effective weapon with the D-backs. So when I look at the fact that he was a diamond in the rough. When I look at the fact that he's turned into a really good mid-rotation starter on a very friendly deal, it's hard for me to see a world where we trade away a quality starter in his mid-30s and we net back a good value for this team that does probably have playoff aspirations in the next couple years. Like Mike Hazen needs to start thinking about making moves to make the postseason at least the wild card. And I don't see how trading away Merrill Kelly this offseason would help this D-backs team at all. Like, he is 34 years old, but that's one of the freshest 34-year-old 34, 34 arms you'll find in Major League Baseball. He's only entering, like, if you look at his actual time spent in Major League Baseball in terms of experience, he's only entering, I think, his fifth year in Major League Baseball. So this is someone that still has a very fresh arm. And I think he could still produce a similar level of what he did in 2022 for at least three more seasons because I still think maybe he got robbed a little bit by not at least getting one Cy Young vote. Like, we didn't think he was a top 12 or 13 guy in Cy Young voting. Like, we thought guys like Ryan Hensley or Logan Webb had a better season than Merrill Kelly. It's up for debate, but I I, I also think there's a strong argument that Merrill Kelly should have got at least one 12th place vote in the Cy Young voting process. And so for Merrill Kelly, I just don't see a world where you could trade this guy right now and get back a good return that can help the D-backs make the postseason in the next couple of years. Now, I think next offseason, maybe you're a little bit open, a little bit more open to moving a Merrill Kelly if a year from now you see two of the three pitchers from the Dre Jamisons, the Kyle Nelsons, and the Brandon Fats pop. And then, then if they can prove, if two of those three can prove to be legit rotation starters, then I think you feel more inclined to trade Merrill Kelly for a, a maybe a more pressing position or some relievers. Because then all of a sudden, if it's like, okay, we got Gallon, Dre Jamison, and Kyle Nelson all proved to be really good. Well, we know Zach Gallon already is the number one ace. But if Kyle Nelson and Dre Jamison proved to be mid-rotation starters as well, and then maybe you swap out one of those guys for Brandon Fat. If two of the three prove to be mid-rotation starters behind a Zach Allen, now the D-backs have three legit starters they could trust. Maybe you don't need Merrill Kelly as that number four starter, or maybe he's still your number two, number three starter, but maybe you don't need four really high-quality starting pitchers. Maybe if the D-backs have a bigger need for the bullpen, maybe they want, I don't know, uh, someone at third base as an upgrade. Maybe then you use Merrill Kelly as a trading, bargaining chick chip at that moment after you realize what you have in the Jamesons, the Nelsons, and the Brandon Fats of the world. But until then, I think it's a wait-and-see approach of Merrill Kelly, and I don't think I'm going to trade him this offseason under any circumstance. Now that we got Merrill Kelly out the way, let's talk about the other big game pitcher for the D-backs, Zach Allen, because he's clearly untouchable. This guy has shown his ceiling is of a number one starter and the potential of a Cy Young Award winner. Don't get me started. Should have finished second this past season. The dream, the dream in my eyes would to be getting a guy on a similar level 
as Zach Allen to complete a nasty one punch, a one two punch duo where either Zach Allen is the number one starter or maybe you get someone good enough where Zach Allen is the number two starter. I think a perfect scenario that I imagine, and it probably doesn't happen this offseason, this kind of move, but imagine if the D backs who went out there this offseason and signed someone like a Carlos Rodon to a three year deal. Now you have Zach Allen as your number one. Rodone as your number two with a Merrill Kelly and then you hope that Dre Jameson or Kyle Nelson continues to produce like now that is a legit playoff rotation a lot of strikeouts from your first two starters you got guys that could eat innings with the Merrill Kellys of the world you got high upside in the back end of your rotation like my dream scenario would to get another starter on the same level as a Zach Gallen for that nasty one-two punch in the front line of your rotation. But I don't think the D-backs make a move like that this offseason. I think that would be more of a next-year move where the D-backs really try to go all-in on building a playoff contender. And just real quick, just like as a fun aside, like when you look back at the Zach Gallen deal that the D-backs pulled off for him, like the Zach Gallen for Jazz Chisholm swap might be the most even trade in MLB history. Both players are going to be perennial all-star players. Both players have like real flares to their game. Like they're both electric. They're not just like kind of those. They they both don't lack personality. I think that's the best way to say it. Jazz, super personable guy, super electric guy. Zach Allen, you go watch those starts after every scoreless streak he had, after every scoreless start he had. Go watch his reactions when he would leave the mound. Go watch his reactions when he got out of big moments, runners in scoring position moments. Zach Allen wears his heart on his sleeve. So Jazz and Zach Allen, I think that might have been the best swap in MLB history for a one-for-one even deal. You take out the 2021 season for Zach Allen. He's had at least a 2-8-1 ERA or better every season with the D-backs. A complete stud. Fastball above 94 miles an hour for the first time in his career this past year. Below 175 average allowed on his two go-to pitches, which is his fastball and curveball. The Brunstrom effect has been real for Zach Gallon, and I'm very curious to see what other heights he can reach because I don't even think we've seen the best of Zach Gallon just yet. And if you think Zach Allen can win the Cy Young Award in 2023, you need to head to betonline.net and place that bet because betonline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your bet fix in head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts all right all right let's get back to the podcast Let's look at some more D-backs pitchers and decide if they are untouchable or not. The next guy I want to discuss, and I think we all know the answer to this one, Madison Baumgartner. And for him, I put go start the GoFundMe because I think D-backs fans will happily pitch money for that Madison Baumgartner contract to be moved. I don't think that's a question. I don't think that would be a hesitation for D-backs fans. If you told 20,000 D-backs fans, or probably more than that, I don't know how it may be. If you told 
200,000 D-backs fans. All you got to do is pitch $2, $3 to help move Madison Bumgarner's contract off the books. I think every D-backs fan will probably put in 100 bucks because signing Madison Bumgarner has been an unmitigated and complete disaster since signing with the team. If you just look at his numbers from 2021 to 2022, when the D-backs signed Brent Strom, you would have thought the Brent Strom effect could maybe save Madison Bumgarner's career because that's what we talked about so much last offseason. This is going to be the year, the make-or-break year for Mad Bum in a D-backs uniform because if he can't start to get right with Brent Strom in his corner, then it's never going to happen with Madison Bumgarner. And unfortunately, that's how it played out because if you look at the whip, the ERA, the strikeout rate, the walk rate, the contact rate, the BABIP, the hard contact rate. Somehow he regressed from 2021 to 2022, which makes absolutely no sense when you have the King Midas of pitching coaches on your staff. Brent Strom cannot even help this man. Madison Bumgarner is stealing $23 million from the D-backs this season and stealing another $14 million from the D-backs next season as fastball and cutter you look at the velocities those are back up to his 2019 levels like if you want to find the silver lining that maybe Brent Strom held Madison Bumgarner with it's the fact that his velos are starting to look respectable again his fastball velocity was above 91 miles per hour his cutter I think was above 87 miles per hour he hasn't touched those numbers since like 2019 so you do like to see the velo tick back up for a massive Bumgarner. But if you told me you could trade massive Bumgarner for any player in Major League Baseball with a heartbeat, I would do it. Even if he didn't have a heartbeat. If you're just telling me you're trading massive Bumgarner for cash considerations, I think every D-backs fan would also take that deal. So for massive Bumgarner, the D-backs signed him during the 2019 offseason thinking he was going to be the piece that puts them over the edge and puts them in playoff contention. But now you look at Madison Bumgarner four years later, you're like, this guy might actually be the anchor holding the D-backs back from making the playoffs, which is an absolutely crazy statement to say. Four years later, after the signing, Madison Bumgarner might be the biggest reason why the D-backs don't make the postseason. I would have never thought I would have said that with the big game that Madison Bumgarner has pitched throughout his career, three-time World Series champion, Really a fall from grace for a guy who could potentially make the Hall of Fame one day. Next guy I want to discuss, Mark Melanson. And for him, I put down, go make it a dual GoFundMe with Madison Bumgarner because he's another guy I think D-backs fans will pitch in money to not see pitch in a D-backs uniform this season. I think D-backs fans were upset when we saw that option got picked up because Mark Melanson is another player that extremely disappointed because of our high expectations for him at the time of the signing. Maybe as D-backs fans, we should be the ones to blame for expecting guys like Madison Bumgarner, multiple World Series champions, guys like Mark Melanson, who was leading the league in saves a prior season, an all-star prior season to the signing. Like Maybe we shouldn't have expectations for those guys when they're signed with the D-backs because for some reason... Those guys seem to just fall off a cliff once they come to Arizona. And maybe it's because Arizona is supposed to be a place where old people go to retire. So we're getting all these veterans and they just think that they don't have to try anymore. They think once you play for the D-backs, your career is over. That's a team that doesn't really want to see success and winning. But that is so false because this team is not that far from being a legit 
perennial contender with the talent that they have coming up through the system. And Mark Melanson is just another anchor holding this team back. I should have known a Wildcat wouldn't thrive in the East Valley because you look at his numbers this season from 2021, how he regressed in his strikeout rate. That dropped a lot, gave up a ton more hits this past season, and also gave up a ton way harder contact that was a really bad phrasing by me grammatically but gave up way harder contact this season as well was never trustworthy in save situations if you look at his ERA by the save situation his ERA actually looks good but I think it's fool's gold because Mark Melanson was elite once the D-backs got to extra innings in a safe situation in extra innings Mark Melanson was absolutely shut down but in safe in safe situations in regulation Mark Melanson was not that guy because in high leverage moments, allowed a 320 average, and his ninth inning ERA was a 531. So this guy was not good in the ninth inning this past season. Like, how many clean one, two, three innings can you remember by Mark Melanson? Never, because whenever there was nobody on the bases and he had two outs, it always felt like Mark Melanson had to at least give up a double before he got out of there. Mark Melanson never wanted the D-backs fans to feel like, all right, I'm going to go out there, one, two, three inning, and then you guys could go home and rest easy tonight. No, always put you on the edge of your seat, which made it a fun game because you never knew what was going to happen when Mark Melanson was on the mound, but you also felt like, he was more than likely he was more likely than not going to blow the game even though he converted a pretty high amount of his saves i never trust mark melanson i think most d-backs fans are upset that he's coming back for the 2023 season then the last player i want to discuss from segment number two the final player i want to discuss in segment number two is joe mantiply because this dude is definitely untouchable because the d-backs don't have any reliable relievers outside of Kyle Nelson. So if the D-backs traded a Joe Mantiply, where will the bullpen be? Even worse than where it was the past couple years. Joe Mantiply did a great job of not walking dudes in 2022, which I think was the main reason his numbers improved dramatically. Um, maybe not dramatically, but improved a lot from 2021 to 2022 because from April 9th to July 10th, a two-month sample size, Joe Mantiply did not allow a walk. I think he did set the franchise record for most consecutive innings of not allowing a walk by a left-handed reliever. Very specific set, but I do believe Joe Mantiply set that record. He did allow a 319 average on batting. His BABIP, batting average on balls in play, was a 319, which is pretty high. But Mantiply did do a good job of limiting hard contact and not walking dudes like I discussed. So, even though the opposing batters, when they put the ball in play, good things happened, it would be rare and far and few between, and they were the kind of hits that never killed you. He just liked to give up singles, and maybe he gave up some doubles, but you didn't have to worry too much after that because it wasn't like Joe Mantiply was just giving up run after run. He did a great job of limiting the runs and the hard contact all season. Numbers weren't great in high leverage moments or runners in scoring position, but for Joe Mantiply, I just don't think he's the close of the future. And I also don't think Joe Mantiply should be a team's best reliever. Like, I think we just put too much stock in Joe Mantiply because he is the best reliever on the D-backs. But in the perfect world, Joe Mantiply should be like your fifth or fourth best reliever in your bullpen. Like, that's where I would feel really good about Mantiply because he's not just a specialist. Like, he's someone that is good against both platoons. He's someone that's entering arbitration. There's a lot of good things about Joe Mantiply, but... If he's your best reliever in the bullpen, then I think you have a really bad bullpen. But if he's your fourth or fifth guy coming out the bullpen, 
to get out of a big jam in the seventh inning, then I love Joe Mantiply in that situation. So the D-backs desperately need to get him some help because right now he should not be the best dude in the building. Of all the relievers that the D-backs currently have in the bullpen, there's no one I there's no one I trust more to protect a lead than a Joe Mantiply. And Simply Safe is the home security I trust the most to protect my home because did you know that over the holidays property crimes like burglaries and package theft spike nationally that's why our friends at simply safe home security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season order your simply safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by US News and World Report a third year in a row. An emergency 24/7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is a whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window and door. HD security cameras for inside and out. Smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real. Even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than $1 a day. Less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control over your system anytime Anywhere, arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash lockdownmlb. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash lockdownmlb. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the podcast and let's round it out with a few more pitchers. We'll probably go a little bit quicker on these. And if I didn't say a pitcher, whether I want to keep him or not, you could pro- it's probably safe to assume that I'm okay with that guy being moved because I'm not hitting every pitcher on the 40-man roster. Just the guys I think have a chance of making the biggest impact for the D-backs in 2023 or the guys who I think, or the guys that I just personally care about the most. So if I didn't mention this guy, you can probably trust that I think he should be traded and is not untouchable by the D-back. So the first guy I want to discuss is Kyle Nelson. And I believe Kyle Nelson is someone that's untouchable. One, because he's the D-back's second best reliever. So right then and there, it's like, what do we do after Joe Mantiply if there's no Kyle Nelson? Uh, things get pretty bleak and pretty thin pretty quickly. 219 ERA this past season, a 108 whip, and a 243 batting average and balls in play. All very good numbers, and he did that like over 37 innings pitch. He has a disgusting slider fastball combo, combo, which is basically unhittable by the numbers on StatCast. A 194 average allowed to both platoons. That means righties and lefties. So 
literally dead even 194 average allowed to both the righties and lefties so this is not just a one-trick pony type of specialist he's someone that doesn't matter righties or lefties you can throw out against and maybe there's a world where we give Kyle Nelson a shot at the closing role. Maybe he's not built to be a closer. Maybe he doesn't have the profile of a closer. But in safe situations with the D-backs this past season, I think in eight innings, a 1-5-9 ERA, Kyle Nelson stepped up in those safe situations. So maybe we give him a bigger role and bigger opportunity in 2023 if the D-backs don't figure out a closer for next season. Um, How about a Dre Jameson? For him, I put a not this year. He's not untouchable, but I'm definitely not trying to trade Dre Jameson right now. For Dre Jameson, I need to see what the ceiling could be over the course of a full season before I decide if he's tradable or not. Because what I saw in the small sample size was fantastic, phenomenal. 24 innings pitch, 148 year Ray, 319 FIP, 1.11 whip, like really good stats by Dre Jameson. A 56% ground ball rate absolutely love that his hard contact stats need to improve but a 222 average and a 619 ops allowed to opposing batters you'll definitely take those numbers and another area that's kind of weird for dre jameson he's a right-handed pitcher but against lefties a 170 average and a 505 ops allowed but against righties a 279 average and a 745 ops allowed so a lot of optimism we can consider he's a righty that dominates lefties but he needs to improve riding on riding matchups, and that seems a little bit more easy to do. So if he can continue to produce at a high level against lefties and then improve against righties, Dre Jameson has the stuff to be a, a really high rotation member in this D-backs rotation, mid-90s fastball and sinker, um, which is just electric. I mean, he throws that fastball, then he throws a 95-mile-an-hour sinker, which is why he produces so many ground balls, and he has potential to throw harder. He has potential to hit 97, and 98, 99, maybe even 100 on the radar gun, so I love, Dre, I love Dre Jameson, and I'm not in a rush to trade him this year. Next up is Ryan, Ryan Nelson. I always want to say Ryan. It's Ryan Nelson, R-Y-N-E. And for him, same thing as Dre Jameson, not this year, for pretty much the same reasons because he had a very good small sample size and I'm not ready to trade him just yet. Need to see a full workload over the course of a year to see if he's tradable or not because an 18 innings pitch, a 147 ERA, 0.818, that's a 0.818 whip and a 156 BABIP allowed Disgusting stats for Ryan Nelson. Platoon splits damn near even as well. Mid-90s fastball that he used as his primary weapon. Like he threw a fastball like 75% of the time and it worked. It was unhittable when you look at the numbers like a 120 average allowed or something crazy like that on his fastball. But he has to work in other pitches because you can't just survive your whole career by throwing mostly the fastball. Eventually, that won't work as the league adjusts to you. So needs to work in some other pitches. But he's also a guy that has potential to throw harder, average around 95 miles per hour on that fastball. But he's someone, he's someone in the past that we've seen also hit triple digits on the fastball. So there's potential for Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson to be even better and throw even harder, which is crazy to think about. Tommy Henry, he can go. Nice story the first couple starts. I don't know what kind of value he would even, you know, get back for you. If you could get back a reliever, that would be nice. But I don't see the nasty stuff with Tommy Henry. I think he's a high floor, low ceiling kind of guy. So Tommy Henry, I don't have any personal attachment to. Same with Tyler Gilbert. He can go as well. Similar reasons as Tommy Henry. I don't think these guys are more than inning eaters, spot starters. I do think I do think they could have a role on a team, um, have some value, but 
do I think these are guys that are going to make the difference for a team making the postseason or not? Do I think they're real needle movers? Probably not. Corbin Moore and J.B. Braskakis, they're both still wait and sees for me because I still think there's more talent there than what we've seen. We just got to be able to squeeze the talent out the proverbial tooth paste tub you know what i'm saying when there's only a little bit of toothpaste left and gotta squeeze every last bit of it out i still think there's talent there where corbin martin jb briscockis but we gotta squeeze every list bat every last bit out of it i i don't even know what i'm saying anymore but we gotta maximize the talent of corbin martin jb briscockis because we have not been able to do that one because of injuries and two because of just really Core play by both of them. I still think there's talent, and I still think they have really incredible stuff. I still want to see a J.B. Braskakis out the bullpen, so I'm not giving up on those guys just yet. Luis Frias, he can go. Electric stuff. Maybe maybe top three electric stuff in the D-backs organization, but way too erratic for me. He can go. Taylor Widener, Kevin Ginkle, both wait and sees for me. I like both of these players. I don't love either of them. They were both solid out the pen for the D-backs this past season, so I want to see if they can... I want to see if they can, re- I don't know why I can't speak. I want to see if they can replicate the season they just had as middle inning reliever type. So I'm in a wait and see approach with the Widners and Kevin Ginkles. And if your name wasn't called today, that means I don't care probably if you get moved or not. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. I will be traveling tomorrow morning back to Arizona, a nice 6.30 a.m. flight from Jersey. I will land around, I think, 10 o'clock in Arizona. So we should have a normal podcast for you guys on Tuesday with the regular definition on YouTube. So I apologize to my YouTube audience. Thank you for checking. Thank you for checking out the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Go make the Locked On Sports Today podcast your second listen of the day. Go behind the scenes and be on the scoreboards with insights from our local experts available wherever you get your podcasts, all streaming platforms, and YouTube, of course. Thank you to everyone. Come back tomorrow. More Dimebacks News coverage insight, as I already said. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.